test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Because many false prophets have gone into the world. Welcome to the Plainfield Christian Church Podcast. We hope that the message today encourages you. For additional resources to inspire you in your journey with Christ, connect with us on Facebook and Instagram. Enjoy today's podcast. Today, we are continuing our sermon series through the book of 1 John. Today, we're gonna be preaching through 1 John 4. We're gonna try to make it through the whole chapter, and we've also got a special guest interview later in the service. I'm excited for you to hear that as well. I've got a joke to tell you, or kind of a funny story to tell you to start off. You might not think this is funny at all, but I think it's really funny. So uh, last week, I was sitting where you're sitting. I was out in the audience, and Luke was preaching. Great sermon. He preached on 1 John 3. He talked about loving one another. Well, here's the thing about 1 John. It's a pretty simple book. John kind of repeats himself over and over again. The message of 1 John is, if you believe in Christ, don't sin, beware of false teachers, and love one another. So can you guess what my message is about today? Loving one another. So if my message sounds a little repetitive, I apologize, you can blame the apostle John. He's the one that wrote the book. He's the one that repeated himself over and over again. So you can blame him if this is repetitive. <laughs> uh, in all seriousness, John's message is really, really clear. I think he repeats himself over and over again because he wanted his people to understand his message. And this is an important message for us too. I wanna tell you a little bit about John. Obviously, you know he's one of Jesus' disciples, but I want you to know a little bit more about him. I think if you understand where this book fits in the story of his life, 1 John chapter four is gonna come alive for you. So John obviously was one of Jesus' disciples. He traveled around with Jesus. He saw Jesus do amazing things. And then after Jesus rose from the dead and went back to heaven, John became an evangelist. He traveled around telling people about Jesus. And as he did that, he planted churches. John's home base eventually became a city called Ephesus. The city is now in modern day Turkey. So John, as he grew older, became a leader in the churches there. And I say churches because they probably had a group of churches that met in homes. It wasn't a big church where everybody came to like ours. So I think we have some really good preachers in this church. We've got pastors who love God's word, who communicate it really well, but our pastors are not like John. I mean, how would you have liked that guy to be a leader in your church? Our pastors know a lot about Jesus. John literally knew Jesus. This guy wrote five books of the Bible. Great pastor. So we'd assume John's churches were awesome. They were probably the best ever, right? So mature, no problems. Well, we know that's not the case. We know that no church is perfect. And that's why John wrote 1 John. Near the end of his life, his churches were actually under attack. False teachers had crept into his congregations and they were leading people astray. So John is fighting to keep his churches together. That's why he wrote this book. I think this message of unity is really important for us to hear today as well. Our nation is more divided than it's been in decades. You've been here the last couple years, you watch the news, you know why. I don't have to explain that. So if John were here today, I think he would be encouraging us to be unified too. Here's what I think his message would be. In a world that's so divided, the church needs to be the most united. We really need to set the example for unity. And that's what 1 John 4 is about. You know, this is a powerful idea. It's a simple idea, but it's extremely difficult to achieve. So let's dive into 1 John chapter 4 and start reading and see what John has to say to us. 
I'm going to read. The words are also going to be on the screen if you don't have your Bible with you. John said, Dear friends, do not believe in every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone into the world. This is how you can recognize the spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming and even now is already in the world. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. They are from the world and therefore speak from the viewpoint of the world and the world listens to them. We are from God and whoever knows God listens to us, but whoever is not from God does not listen to us. This is how we recognize the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood. So John starts out by calling out some false teachers. He calls them antichrists. These false teachers were from a group called the Gnostics. So we get the name Gnostic from the Greek word gnosis, and that's also where we get our English word knowledge. So the Gnostics were given this name because they thought they could achieve salvation through some type of secret knowledge. They were really mystical. And I want to tell you about some of the crazy stuff that they believed. So one thing is they believed that spirit was good and flesh was evil. So that meant they thought that Jesus had to be some type of spirit because he was good. He couldn't have been a man in the flesh. Another thing that they believed, or some of them believed, was that they could sin whenever they wanted. And that's because their flesh, their evil flesh was sinning, but their spirit was still good somehow. So yeah, this makes no sense to us, but it made sense to them. And that was because of their worldview and the philosophy at the time. I doubt that anybody in this room would describe themselves as Gnostic. If you do, I'd really love to talk to you after service. Uh, so none of us are Gnostic, but I think there's definitely some principles that we can apply from this that are gonna help us as we pursue unity. So I've got two questions for you. My first question is, are you testing the spirits? Said differently, are you testing the information you receive? We have a blessing in our culture. We also have a curse in our culture, and that's called information, um, sorry, information overload. Um, so, you know, the problem is you can find information about anything online. You can find an opinion about anything online. And once again, that's a blessing, but sometimes it's hard to know what's true. So how do we test the information we receive? I think one thing we can definitely do is look to the Bible for answers. That should be our first and our ultimate test for what is true. But I know that sometimes, hey, go to the Bible and look for an answer that's easier said than done. When that seems difficult, I think we can also turn to our Christian community. We can ask wise, knowledgeable Christians what they think about certain issues. We can dialogue with them. And I guess I want everybody to know that that's one of the things that the church is here to do for you. If you've ever got questions, I'm sure one of our pastors or elders would be happy to meet with you. Maybe your group leader would be a good person for you to talk to about some of this. So are you testing the information you receive? My second question for you is, are you adding things to our faith? The Gnostics relied on secret knowledge for their salvation. They weren't trusting in Christ alone. And once again, I don't think that anybody in this room would describe themselves as Gnostic, but we've got to be really careful not to add things to our faith too. In our divided culture, sometimes relationships are strained over non-essential issues. So I get really nervous when I hear somebody say, well, a Christian has to believe this, or a Christian has to do this. Now, obviously there are essentials, but we've got to be really careful not to confuse our personal values for God's essential values. We've got to be really careful with that. 
And I wanna be careful. I don't want my words to be confused. I am not asking you to sacrifice truth for the sake of unity. That's not what John is talking about here. He's writing this because he cares deeply about the truth. What I am asking you to do is test truth before you sacrifice unity. Let's continue reading. We're gonna pick back up in verse seven. So here's what John said. He said, dear friends, love one another for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and also sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. One of the things that I get to do here at the church is work with all of our missionaries. Right now, we've got about six missionaries, and I help those people before they go overseas. I help prepare them, and uh, I also help care for them once they are overseas. And I've got a great team of people that help me do that too. So have you ever thought why we send missionaries? I think you know why. You know, we send missionaries to tell people about Jesus. But why do we really send missionaries? That's because we're showing others the love that God showed us first. That's why we send missionaries, and really, that's why we love anybody. We love because God first loved us. I want you to know that our God is a missionary. He's actually the first missionary ever. So we live in a broken world. We are trapped by our sin, our failures, our mistakes. We need somebody to save us and give us a new life. Well, God didn't respond by sending some book from heaven to tell us what to do. He didn't respond by continuing to send prophets. That wasn't working. He didn't sit by while we destroyed ourselves. No, God came himself to save us. Jesus came to earth to die on the cross for our sins. So we love others because God first loved us. That's why we do what we do. And I wanna say something really quick. Today, we're obviously talking about church unity, loving our brothers and sisters in Christ, but this love is for everybody. We should be sharing that love that God has showed us with everybody. So let's finish reading 1 John 4. I'm gonna pick back up in verse 13. John said, this is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the father has sent his son to be the savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because God first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates his brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. I think it's interesting how John confronts fear while he writes about love, because those are really two opposite emotions. I think the reason that he does this is because it's really difficult to love somebody that you fear. It's hard to do those two things at the same time. So fear is a really natural emotion. That's our fight or flight instinct. I think everybody has felt fear, even if some of us don't want to admit it. 
So fear is most naturally caused when our lives are threatened. I think that's probably what we think about when we think of fear. But fear can also be caused by other threats. Fear can be caused when our way of life is threatened. I want to share some examples with you. So I fear what this person believes because it's different, because it's not what I'm used to. I fear what this person believes because it could corrupt my children. I fear what this person believes because I think it's immoral or irreverent. This is a really big church, and it's a diverse church too. I actually think that our church is more diverse than many of us think it is. So we obviously have many generations in this church. That's one of the things Luke talked about last week. For the first time in history, the American church has five generations in it. And that's because people are living longer than they have before. We also have people of different ethnicities in this church. I'm gonna tell you about some of those people later. We have people that vote differently in our church. We have people of different socioeconomic classes in our church. We also have people that worship differently in this church. So we've got people at 8 a.m. who worship in a more traditional way. We've got you at 9.30 and 11 who worship in a more modern way. We have people that worship online. And now we also have Africans who worship in our church on Sunday afternoons. So I'm gonna tell you a little bit more about them later. So we have a lot of different expectations for the way that things should be in this church. For us to truly love one another, we are gonna have to overcome our fear of each other. We're gonna have to overcome our fear of things that are different. That's what's gonna lead us to true unity. I wanna close by sharing a story with you. This is a story of this in action. Over the last year, God has given our church an opportunity to love some people that are different from us, and it's just been really, really cool. So in 2019, a Congolese family started coming to our church. One of the men of this family is named Mezak. He's a pastor in, he was a pastor in Congo, and then he was a pastor in Rwanda, where his family were refugees. So they started coming to our church, and after a while, he shared with me his desire to have a place for his people to worship in their language in our community. And by the way, his people are called the Banya Malenge, and they're from Congo. That's an important detail. So at that time, we talked, we discussed some different ideas. We thought, well, maybe their group could have a Sunday school class on Sunday mornings, do some things in their language, and then they could come to our services too and worship with us. At that time, things just didn't work out. It was probably a good thing that they didn't work out because you wouldn't know what happened next, COVID. So the world shut down, the church shut down. I didn't see Pastor Mazak and his family for months. Honestly, I didn't know if I was ever gonna see him again. We opened the church back up in August of last year, and first or second Sunday, Pastor Mazak and his family were here, which is really, really cool. They were committed to our church. So at that time, I reached out and I said, hey, have your people found a place to worship? He said, no, is the church still an option? So that time we sat down, we tried to create another plan. We decided that it would be best for their people to worship on Sunday afternoons because so many of them work nights. We presented this plan to our elders. The elders said yes. And then starting last November, we had our first Congolese service here at Plainfield Christian Church. So every week, there are people from Africa that worship in this building on Sunday afternoons. Actually, they're in this room now because they've been growing. It's been really, really cool to see what God's done. It's been really, really cool to have this more diverse group of people become a part of our church. And I do wanna clarify, they're a part of our church family. They're just another one of our ministries like everything else. They're not a separate church. I want to tell you a lot of stuff about this group, but we've actually got Pastor Mezak here this morning and we're gonna interview him later in the service. We want you to hear from him. But I do have a few pictures that I wanna show you. 
This is the best group picture I have. This was at a training that we did this summer. And I want you to know the group is actually a lot bigger than this. That's not everybody. We've grown since then. Right now, their group has maybe around 50 adults on a Sunday afternoon. Next picture. So this is me and some of the young guys. This summer, their community in Indianapolis did a rally downtown to advocate for their rights in Congo. And it was just cool for me to be a part of that. Um, next picture. Actually, this is a video. I want you to check out this video. So Africans often dance when they worship. That's a way that they show their joy to the Lord. So every week in this room, there's people dancing. They're singing another language, worshiping the Lord, which is pretty awesome. I'm guessing you didn't think you were ever going to see like anything like that here at Plainfield Christian Church. Uh, I do want to clarify too, I do not dance with them. <laughs> They've pulled me in a couple times. And uh, I just want to say, you've got to be in really good shape to do that. That's not a way for me to show my joy to the Lord. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, so, uh, yeah, don't want to be sweaty and out of breath when I'm in church, but uh, yeah, so it has been really, really awesome for them to become a part of our church. I'm super thankful for everything that's happened, but this is actually just the beginning of the story. So last November, we start partnering with this group, and around the same time, we find out that Pioneer Bible Translators is translating the Bible into a new language. Pioneer Bible Translators, by the way, is one of our mission partners, and they're translating the Bible into Kenya Malenge. Well, Kenya Malenge is the language that Pastor Mezak and his people speak. That's the language of the Banya Malenge. This translation is actually being done among another Banya Malenge community in Louisville. So just because of how close we are, we're trying to figure out how we can work with them, how we can partner with them to really invest in this people group. We're still trying to figure out those details. I've got another story. Team Expansion is another one of our mission partners. The last few years, we've been partnering with them on a project in East Africa. We worked with a team of African missionaries to plant churches among an unreached African people group. That project has gone super well, but it was actually scheduled to end this year. It actually ended this month. So a few months ago, Team Expansion, they reached out and they said, hey, would you guys like to continue partnering with other African missionaries in another part of the continent? We said, sure, let's have the conversation. So around that time, I was introduced to two men, Laurent and James, and we got their pictures here. We are actually gonna start partnering with Laurent and James next month. Uh, the elders just approved that project, which is super cool. I would love to tell you about Laurent and James and what they're doing. I just can't because this is going online and we've gotta be really security conscious because of where they're working and who they're working with. However, I can tell you a cool story. So during this conversation with Team Expansion, I found out that Laurent is from Congo. I was like, well, that's cool. We got a bunch of Congolese people worshiping here at our church. So I reached out to Team Expansion and they say, well, Laurent is Banya Malenge. Wow, that's kind of cool. We got a bunch of Banya Malenge people here at our church. I text Pastor Mezak and I ask him, hey, do you know this Laurent guy? We're thinking about partnering with him. Pastor Mezak texts me back, yeah, Laurent's my cousin. Yeah, crazy, crazy. I mean, that's the kind of stuff that only God does. So over the last year, you know, we've been able to help this group of people in our community. They've become a part of our church. We've been able to partner with some of our mission partners in a greater way. It's been really awesome. You know, sometimes I think, what would have happened if we would have said no? Well, we can't work with you right now. COVID, a lot of stuff is going on. We just can't take another thing. Well, you know, we've never really worked with anybody from Congo before. We don't really know how this would go. We don't think we can do that. 
But that's not what we did. We said yes. And by the way, this was somewhat of a risk. We really didn't know what was gonna happen. We didn't know their group was gonna grow like this. We didn't know all these connections were gonna happen. But we do feel like the Lord led us to each other and he's blessed us in the process. So my encouragement to you today is as we strive for unity, take a risk, love someone and see what God does. I would not be surprised if he amazed some of you too because we've certainly been amazed over the last year. Right now, we're gonna prepare to take communion. I hope that everybody was able to get one of the communion cups on the way in. If not, you should be able to find some in the back of the room. So John said, perfect love casts out fear. And when I think of Jesus' death on the cross, that's one of the things that I think of. Jesus didn't wanna die on the cross. You think about how he was in the garden of Gethsemane the day before he died. He's sitting there crying out to God, Lord, please take this cup from me. You think about the pain that he experienced on the cross. I mean, there had to have been some fear. And I think it's weird for us to think about how God felt fear, but that's what happened. He was fully God and fully man. But we know that Jesus overcame that fear because of the love that he had for us. So if you're a believer in Christ, I encourage you to take communion during this time. We're gonna celebrate the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. But first, I'm gonna pray. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for everything that you've done for us. We thank you for the love that you've freely given us. And Lord, today we remember that perfect love casts out all fear. We know that it cast out all the fear that you had when you were on the cross. And Lord, we pray that it will cast out all the fear that we have of other people. Lord, help us to love each other better. And thank you for loving us. I say this in your name, amen. Thank you for listening to the podcast today. It's our desire for you to grow in your understanding of Christ's love as you partner with us in our mission to love all people to new life in Christ. If you have any questions about our church or would like to plan a visit with us, go to plainfieldchristian.com. If you would like to receive our podcast every week, we encourage you to subscribe to the Plainfield Christian Church podcast on whatever podcasting platform you prefer. Have a great week.